You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 18. This week I was joined by Shannon Beer, who is an MMU certified nutritionist and coach at Flex Success. In this episode, we covered some very important topics when it comes down to successful weight management. We discussed the pros and cons of using apps like MyFitnessPal. We spoke about the many different nutritional strategies and interventions you can use other than necessarily counting calories especially during times of hectic work commitments and holidays, which makes this really difficult to do. Lastly, and most importantly, we've covered the importance of weight maintenance and gave solutions of how people can set up the diet so they can actually maintain the weight loss and keep it off forever. So without further ado, this is Leaving Behind My Fitness Pal featuring Shannon Beer. Hi, Shannon. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on to the Fat Fix podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Just before we jump into today's show, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of a rundown on who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, So I am a coach for Flex Success and we are a team of coaches who are based predominantly in Australia, although we do have one coach in Berlin and then I am kind of all over the place and we work with a variety of people to help them achieve their goals whether that be sports performance Um, we do some bodybuilding powerlifting fighters those kind of people and then we also work with general public as well to help them lose fat but the most important thing is that we aim to inform people how to take control over their own diet so that they can sustain their results long term and make informed choices on their yeah, I think a lot of your work that you do, Shannon, stuff that you put out personally on your social media is definitely aimed towards the general population. And I think that's obviously why I got you on the show, because majority of my listeners are general population and you know, people like my mum <laughs> could listen to these podcasts. So I want <laughs> them to be able to get something from them. Obviously, today's topic is leaving behind my fitness pal. And this is something that you know, this podcast is not slagging off my fitness pal in any way, shape, or form. It's just giving people other solutions to actually track their nutrition and how can they actually fundamentally keep the weight off once they have been on a period of dieting. And a lot of people tend to use an app like my fitness pal, which there's nothing wrong with that. And obviously we'll cover that today to track their food intake and they can be really successful with this. However, when it comes to whether it's being on holiday, real stressful times at work, lots of things going on in their life, they can't use my fitness pal and things like that. It becomes a little bit overwhelming. It's just adding more fuel to the fire. They feel like they fall through the net and gain the weight back again. So today we're going to speak about all dieting strategies, protocols, and really give the listeners some good solid information on to what they can do with the diet and how they can approach it so just let's start off before we jump into it fully Shannon let's just talk about tracking firstly because like I said we're not slagging this off in any way um give your 
kind of thoughts on tracking and its importance before we kind of come away from that and give other solutions that people can use? Yeah, 100%. I think um, tracking is a very valuable tool to use to develop that education aspect. So in order to maintain your weight or achieve a certain goal, you need to have an understanding of how these principles work. And you also need an understanding of your own individual needs, because as we know, different people have different requirements. And through tracking, it's just a tool that you can use to understand certain things such as the few fundamentals that I'd say such as the energy balance principle um, the different macronutrients what they are how much you personally need of each one and where you can find them in terms of food and um, so I do think it's a valuable practice for people to go through at least one you know one instance in their life and I think it's important to note as well that you can track your food intake with an app like MyFitnessPal without actually sticking to specific targets they're kind of two separate things there's tracking and there's tracking with the aim of reaching certain targets that you set for yourself or someone has set for you you could just have a go at recording your habitual diet just to inform yourself of what it is that you do eat um, so that's just one thing that I think is a common misconception is that tracking means sticking to rigid targets. Um, and tracking can get a bad rep because it can lead to obsessive tendencies if you're using it in the wrong way. So I would say that as with any tool, it's about how you use it. You think about, I like to use the analogy of a knife. Um, it's very useful for chopping up vegetables and then it suddenly into a negative thing if you start stabbing people with it and the same thing goes to my fitness power right if you're using it in a negative way then it's not going to have beneficial outcomes for you so it's about understanding the purpose of it and i think viewing it as an educational tool to develop that understanding that will ultimately lead to more freedom and flexibility further down the line it does become a very useful strategy for that yeah, 100%. I, th I think I'd like to personally get a lot of my clients to actually start with some form of tracking, just so I can get an idea of what they're actually want eating, and most importantly, how much they're actually eating as well. And yeah, it does get a bad rep. A lot of people are talking about um, MyFitnessPal and developing like eating disorders and things like that. And like with anything, it's just people going on the extremes. And what you seem to find at the minute Shannon, um, I don't know if you agree with me on this one, is that you have the people that are slating tracking devices saying, get rid of all your tracking devices, etc. Even Even step counters, get rid of them as well. And let's take a more intuitive approach as such. And it, you've kind of got two camps at the minute in the, in the nutrition space. I'm, I'm, and that I reckon that you'll probably agree with me on that one is that you have people arguing both extremes from both sides when... To be honest, both sides have positives and have negatives. Mm, I totally agree. I see a lot of talk from the intuitive eating kind of camp about, as you say, how tracking your food intake can lead to eating disorders and things like that. And I think the reason it kind of gets my back up is because these are very bold claims and that's not necessarily the case in all instances. I don't think there's ever any clear-cut black and white answers like we should never be saying that nobody should ever track their food intake in, under any circumstances um, we should all always eat intuitively it's too you know one-sided where's the, the middle road whereby we just say well yes it can work for some people and for other people it may not be the 
the most optimal strategy for the time being. Um, so I think it's worth distinguishing the difference between what intuitive eating really is and then what people kind of think it is because it's not a weight loss strategy and you get a lot of gurus on Instagram saying things like, you know, your body knows what it needs. Just listen to your body and you will achieve your, you know, weight loss goals or whatever it is. And that's not what intuitive eating is. So what it actually is, is a weight neutral approach to managing your food intake. Um, it was established by two US dietitians back in 1995, and there are 10 principles of intuitive eating. And it's about restoring a healthy relationship with food. So it's specifically designed for people who have experienced disordered eating, like dichotomous kind of thinking, um, restrictive tendencies around eating. And I like wholeheartedly agree with the majority of the principles, like honoring your hunger, um, and it's not just eating whatever you want for the sake of it. That's not really what it's, you know, it's not how it works at all. So I think there's a huge misconception there. And the issue with that is that one, it confuses the, the message of what intuitive eating really is, which I'm sure is not helpful for the people trying to promote it. But also it kind of perpetuates the idea that you can just know how to regulate your body weight, you know, intuitively, instinctively. Mm. And in our modern day food environment, that's not really the case anymore because as you know, there are you know, many external factors that influence our food intake and it's not just a, a physiological mechanism anymore. So I think that the difference is um, that understanding really is key. It doesn't mean that you have to track your macros forever. You don't even have to track macros, but you do need to develop that awareness somehow and as you know, we kind of say the tracking your macro is just an effective way to do so um so yeah it's not that you have to live by my fitness pal for the rest of your life but you do need to have an understanding of how to regulate your intake yeah totally i, I think um what i was kind of wanted to as you were speaking then is, is touch upon with this is that this message of intuitive eating um said by whoever can kind of reach totally different people. You, it could reach one person who has eating disorders, who have a, a past of eating disorders. Would it work for them? Should they maybe do that? For sure. However, on the other end of the spectrum, it could reach someone that's never had um, any eating disorders. This person is severely overweight where it's causing them health issues. And then being told to eat intuitively, they've been doing that all the life and that's why they're in the position that they're in right now. So it, that's precisely it, the problem. Yes. It becomes, it becomes such a confusing message. And that's why it's so important, obviously from an individual level, when it comes to nutrition as well, like if I've got somebody in a client of mine who's, mm -hmm. who's been obsessed with say my fitness pal for all the life and they have developed a poor relationship with food, they've restricted social occasions with friends and family, then would I go on my fitness pal with them straight away? Probably not. I would probably look towards the intuitive eating approach of them, get them to establish a better relationship with food, you know, get them to chill out a little bit, calm down, but in the meantime, educate them around nutrition principles in the first place. And also if I've got someone else who's never had this, wants to lose weight, would I go with intuitive eating with them? Hell no. Mm, that's exactly it. And the other thing to note is that you can also use MyFitnessPal in such a way to promote, I mean, not the intuitive eating approach in the way that they would define it, but 
to restore a healthy relationship with food because one of the principles is to give yourself unconditional permission to eat. A lot of people struggle with that because they don't want to let themselves go as such. Whereas if you can teach someone how to be flexible by using a macro tracking you know, app like MyFitnessPal, that puts it into perspective exactly how to quantify giving yourself permission to eat. It's like, oh, I, I know that I would really fancy xyz you know specific food but i don't really understand how that works in the context of my overall diet whereas if you can see it in black and white with some numbers behind it that just helps to um solidify that understanding and then that creates that freedom yeah i think a lot of people set up on my fitness pal when they get started in a journey because i meet a lot of clients that i speak to them about the nutrition and what they've done in the past and a lot of them say first thing they do is they show me the phone and they go, I've got, I've got the MyFitnessPal app and they always show me the phone. And I think to them, from when I've asked them, I always say to them, like, that's, that's brilliant. Did you actually understand it? And it's just going back to that education is that they see all these numbers, they, they can become a little bit obsessed with actually hitting them um, absolutely bang on the money. And like you said before, we don't need to be bang on the money, especially once they know a little bit more about the, the what is important when it comes down to fat loss, when it comes down to energy balance, that they shouldn't freak out if they've gone over the carbohydrates by five grams. <laughs> it's not going to be the end of the world. And I think it's a, a different ways of tracking. People will tend to use MyFitnessPal and go in at it like all guns blazing. They'll think everything needs to be spot on. They'll, they'll lose their mind if they, they can't kind of hit the numbers. And that's not necessarily the way it has to be used. It could be used just to track your protein intake. If your trainer has said to you, listen, like, you know, you're always hungry all the time. Let's look at your protein intake. Let's have a look at increasing that satiety a little bit. Let's pop that protein up a little bit more. Let's see what you are actually eating because potentially you're really under eating on your protein intake. Therefore, when it comes to the evening, you're absolutely starving. So let's just look at why this is happening and address it that way. So there's so many ways to be able to use my fitness pal and things like that. And I think a lot of people do give it a bad rap and also at the same time use it the wrong way yeah that's exactly it and as you say it can work in a number of situations what about someone who isn't eating enough taking uh, control and you know account of your food intake can be a great way to ensure that you're eating more it doesn't have to be about restriction all the time and i think a good way to promote that idea as well is Firstly, I'm having that understanding of what is actually important, um, but also prescribing ranges, or as you say, just keep an eye on maybe calorie and protein intake if your goal is weight loss or something, because as we know, carbohydrates and fats, the particular um, distribution of those doesn't matter too much. So it's about, yeah, using it in the correct way and making it as simple and as easy as possible to do that. Yeah, it's a really powerful tool, and I do want to get across with, obviously, this episode that tracking food intake is fundamentally the most optimal way really to be ott with everything knowing full well what you're actually eating how much of it you're actually eating and obviously giving that kind of accountability that you are actually inputting it and gives people a lot of kind of realization to what they are actually consuming as well hence why elite bodybuilders guys at the top of the top of the level who are getting in ridiculous um, body composition track <laughs> um, most of them track down to the absolute gram so it is very very successful it's just is it right for everybody and can everybody live the life like that 
and that is certainly not the case. And that's what we're going to kind of jump into now, Shannon, is a lot of people will jump on MyFitnessPal. They'll start tracking. They'll, they'll be doing everything so well. They'll lose a lot of weight. You know, they'll get a better understanding of kind of food intake, macronutrients in particular. However, when stressful situations arise in the lifestyle or they've got a, a holiday coming up, they lose their mind completely thinking that MyFitnessPal is the only thing that they need in their life to keep the, the weight off for example and it would be great today obviously we're going to touch upon other approaches that people can use within their life where they don't feel like they have to be on the phone inputting data into an app yeah that's it i think it's important to realize that obviously tracking has its place but it is very easy to become over-reliant on it especially if you have been doing it for a certain period of time so knowing how to move away from that is definitely important because life throws so many things at people as well. And like you mentioned before, you mentioned about food environment, which personally for me is one of the massive drivers of obesity for sure. I, I, I just see it's getting worse and worse. You know, we're only like one minute away from access to food, like literally one minute away from palatable, high calorie dense foods that I could just smash within two seconds. And <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that is a big, big factor and, and it's about helping the clients understand that all these factors, whether it's physiologically, whether it's, um, well, so it's like external and in, internal kind of stra uh, methods that happen with us that how can we kind of control them a little bit better and make better choices and solutions. And this is what kind of leads us into what we're going to speak about today, which is a concept called informed eating. And I know this is something that you're quite, big on and passionate about and you've done a few podcasts on this yourself it'd be great to just jump into this informed eating or maintenance eating as such yeah so informed eating is an approach that we like to teach at flex and it's for those people who have spent a period of time tracking and now would like to move away from that and still maintain their results so there are three main pillars to informed eating the first one being a foundational knowledge of nutritional principles. So that would probably be things like energy balance. Um, as I mentioned before, having an understanding of the different macronutrients, their energy content and what that looks like in terms of food. The second pillar of informed eating would be having an understanding of your own personal needs and how those needs may change over time, whether you're in a different environment or whether your goals have changed. And then the third pillar would be to have an awareness of your own individual preferences. And I would also add to that your own priorities in terms of your values, like what is most important to you in terms of balancing things like social life and health. Um, and also having awareness of your pitfalls as well like where do you usually fall down because once you're aware of those things then you can address them in your approach and what it's for then as I said is to help people move away from tracking macros and still maintain their results so once you've built up that baseline level of knowledge you're probably in a position to let go of my fitness power but I think a lot of people are fearful to do so because it's probably something they've done for a period of time yeah, I think it's it comes down to like a lot of people ask me this as a personal trainer, and I'm sure they ask you as well. And it's more so when I go to like my mum's house and she has friends around, and my mum brings out the biscuit tin, and 
I jump into the biscuit tin and smash loads of biscuits and they'll turn around to me and they'll say like, David, like, what, what are you doing? Like, how can you do that? How do you get away with it? Like, like fat loss is such a cruel mystery. And you know, it gets to that <laughs> stage now where I'm just like, if only they had an idea about energy balance, if only they had an idea about the nutritional practices that I've ingrained over the many, many years of not only being a personal <laughs> trainer, but being an active sporting individual my whole life. Like these behaviors are ingrained in me. It's not just something that I'm just kind of switch on and off, you know? So for me, I'm always there thinking to myself, like, I really want to explain energy balance to them. But at the same time, I'm just like, it'll just go over the head or they'll just, they'll, they'll still won't believe me. And they'll still think that I'm kind of chatting rubbish. And I think that first pillar you said to informed eating is for sure teaching them the principles of fat loss, it, which is energy balance and helping them understand it. And I do think a lot of people that use my fitness pal and things like that, they still don't understand energy balance. They still don't yeah. get it. And until they get it, then my fitness pal might even become better for them to use. But at the same time, like you said, going down this informed eating approach, it's teaching people how they can kind of habitually live, how they can kind of, obviously you've got so many things like your internal hunger cues and things like that within a person. And obviously these over time, the leaner an individual is, these might not be as kind of aggressive as someone who's more overweight, for example. But it's about kind of understanding that myself and, and you, like we've developed these habits for many, many years, these nutritional strategies and interventions, practices, we understand food. So when we go to a restaurant, we're able to kind of eyeball things. And I think that developing that with a client, and I say this to all my clients, if we develop this skill set with you, with your nutrition, you will be unstoppable for the rest of your life and you will never, ever go back to where you used to be. Yeah, it's that understanding, isn't it, of how it all works because you can lose weight via a number of different methods, right? It only has to abide by the energy balance principle. There are um, numerous ways to restrict your energy intake. And if you don't understand the nuances behind that, then it's difficult to maintain your results because you don't know what got you there in the first place. You might know that you ate a little bit less and you know, you know maybe you started getting more active, but in order to maintain your results and also have that flexibility and freedom to enjoy socializing and things like that, you need to have a little bit of an understanding of how it works. I think the other thing as well is that it's not complex, like the, the basics, the, what is actually fundamental to understand, there's not that much that you need to know. So it just be, as we, we've mentioned the energy balance principle, we haven't really defined it yet, but it just be that in order to lose weight, you have to consume less energy than you expend. Maintenance would be matching your energy intake to your energy expenditure roughly over a period of time. Um, and weight gain would be when you consume more energy than you expend. And then obviously you'd probably want an understanding of the different factors um, affecting energy expenditure, which just be like your daily activity, thermic effect of feeding, so the food burnt during digestion, um, exercise activity, and then your metabolic rate. Understanding how that works and how potentially your activity levels may change depending on your environment, things like that would help you to regulate your food intake. Um, but that's not too hard to teach someone. For sure. It's that, like I do keep saying it and I say it on all my podcasts, it is you've got to just lay out in the best way you can in layman's terms to help people understand fat loss and weight loss and that it's not this 
really complex thing. It's a really simple process. However, I do understand it is difficult for people to carry out, like like we mentioned before, with all these external things in our lifestyles, you know, whether that's from a lifestyle perspective, an environment's perspective, a social cultural perspective, whatever it may be, that are hindering people's ability to create this um, negative energy balance. And with with informed eating, it's it's really kind of what what would you do right now, Shannon? Because I think it'd be a good ex- good to explain. You're traveling at the minute, and you're in Vietnam at the minute, so. If anyone has got any probably implications with their diet right now in terms of like not knowing what's going in the food, not knowing what probably what even the food is in Vietnam, to be fair, how can how do you go about this and, and, and maybe give the listeners a little bit of an indication of the strategies and the interventions that you will do to make sure that you can obviously I don't know what your goals are right now, but say that you want to maintain body weight because let's face it, that's what a lot of people will get into maintenance down the line, but that is what a lot of people kind of need to think about, especially when they're traveling. They shouldn't really be thinking about weight loss or muscle gain because there's so many factors going against them to be able to optimally do that. So what are you, what strategies and interventions from a nutritional perspective do you currently use when you're traveling or do you tell clients to use when they're traveling or they've just got hectic times at work where you can make this informed eating a lot more kind of structured in their life right yeah so currently then um my current goal would be to i'm trying to gain muscle that is my goal at the moment um but i guess maintenance and muscle gain fairly similar just comes down to um again like the fundamentals would be having an understanding of your own personal needs so i I have a rough idea of how many calories it takes to maintain my body weight. And if I'm aiming to gain muscle, then I can overshoot that a little bit. Um, but the fundamentals, again, this is what I try and promote to people is that when there's other things going on in your life, focus on the fundamentals. So at the moment, my non-negotiables would be my training. So I always get four sessions in a week, no matter where I am, um, because that pertains to my goal. But then in terms of nutrition, um, the, the pitfalls when it comes to eating out are that you're, it's kind of hard to find appropriate amount of protein per dish, or you just have to go out of your way to make some adjustments to the dish that you are served to make sure you get a sufficient amount of protein in. And then just trying to search for vegetables. <laughs> it's actually quite easy in Vietnam. So I spent almost six weeks in Japan before I got here and it was definitely much more difficult there. So my approach differs depending on where I am in the world. Um, Previously, to maintain my weight last time I was traveling in Southeast Asia, I would fast in the morning. Now, because my goal is muscle gain, I don't fast necessarily. I just eat um, soon after waking, like within the first couple of hours, I will have a serving of protein, just because um, that's probably slightly more preferable for my goal of gaining muscle. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely tactics put in place. Look for leaner protein sources where you can, um, which would be things like lean meats. I always carry whey just because it's convenient. You can always make up a shake if, for example, you order a meal out and it's vegetarian or um, there just aren't any lean sources or quality sources of protein within that meal you can always supplement with a shake on the side um, it also reminds me to get my creatine in as well so there's certain things that i do each day to 
ensure that I'm nailing the basics. And I think that's kind of the difference when you've got things going on is that you don't need to chase optimality all of the time. You know, if you're, if you've got the basics in place, those are what's going to get you the majority of your results anyway. Um, so focus on those and then optimize where you can. So it's worth knowing what would be optimal. Um, but don't stress about, you know, nailing that all of the time. If the options aren't available to you, just do what you can with what you've got. So I say searching for vegetables. So my typical diet here in Vietnam, um, I've got the hotel buffet breakfast. So I just have some vegetables then. Like it might seem weird to have vegetables for breakfast, but breakfast is just a construct that we've kind of, you know, socially or culturally defined for ourselves. You can eat anything at any point in the day. Um, so yeah, I'll have vegetables with whatever protein source I can find, whether that's meat. Um, this morning, I think it was tofu and some kind of mints. I'm aware that there will be some fats in these meals as well, because obviously when you're eating out, they tend to cook with oil or butter. Um, and then I'll pick a carbohydrate source. So this morning it was barn me bread because um, I do like the bread here in Vietnam, um, or I had pho yesterday, like the noodle soup. So it's just having an awareness of what your food is comprised of. I mean, even if you don't know what it is, I know that mints will have some protein in and then some fat depending on the meat. Um, so I can kind of make informed choices based off that understanding. And then there are ways to regulate your food intake. If you want to minimize, say if you're having some really energy dense foods when you're eating out um, there are different ways to minimize your intake throughout the day so I very rarely snack when I'm traveling purely out of convenience like stopping to buy food all the time and I don't have any methods of storing it really depending on where I am because um, I don't always have access to a kitchen so I will typically just have three main meals so they can be fairly large or energy dense meals um, I'm also aware of my energy expenditure so my step count is very high when I'm traveling like it reaches way over 20,000 steps a day which gives me a lot more leeway in what foods I can consume um, yeah and as I say the, the basics would be getting your micronutrients in and getting sufficient protein in and then having an awareness of your energy requirements and trying to eat you know around those kind of levels that that's pretty much the basics of what you need to do and that will get you the majority of your results yeah it's, i think from what you mentioned there and i think this is something that um eric helms mentioned in some of his work it's about having like a nutritional skeleton and I, mm -hmm. I, I do say this to people as well it's really really good to have this nutritional skeleton in place and your skeleton has clearly been in place for, for many, many years, and then you'll just adjust as needed, as required. So if the goal is building more muscle tissue, of course, you're going to just ramp up that food intake a little bit, but you've got the core of it in place already. So your core might be, you know, like a lean protein and vegetable sauce for your breakfast. Same for your lunch, same for your evening meal. When it comes to like building muscle tissue, you might just add in calories on top of their meals, for example. So you'll just add in some carbohydrates, a serving of carbohydrates for each meal. This is just a generic kind of giving you an example here. And then same with fat loss. When it comes to fat loss, they, they can either take away and, or whatever it may be, but they have this skeleton in place. And I say it as well to people in terms of you've got this skeleton, but you also need to be like a chameleon to adapt to your situation that you're currently in. Yeah. So when it comes to like being on um, at home here, 
we can have that skeleton more firmly in place because say for instance we can either prep our meals or we can we know what we're having when we're going to tesco's or whatever and we can kind of pick our lean protein we know what's in it it's packaged up we can see it there and then so we've got this skeleton in place however then when it shifts and you go on holiday and you're not stopping in the supermarkets to look at food packages because let's face it when you're on holiday it's pretty boring. You're not going to probably do that. <laughs> like you're just going to go and enjoy the tasty food that's out there. You're going to go to lovely restaurants and things like that. So you can't do that. So you've got to be that chameleon that adapts to your situations and have a strategy in place for them situations. So it's it's about and it's and it's called the uh, is it a, what Eric talks about? It's the default diet, isn't it? Yeah default diet so that is kind of obviously people will be thinking now oh, what's this default diet <laughs> but it's kind of good to kind of jump into how that is in terms of a the nutritional skeleton as opposed to this mm. is the diet that you need to do like how does that work because i think it's a really good way to look at it personally for a lot of people with their nutrition and how they should approach it from there yeah, so the default diet isn't a specific diet. It's, as you say, a skeleton for you to decide upon. Um, so knowing what your goals are and then your preferences, like what foods you actually like, it can be very handy to have this default diet in place, which would just be pretty much your go-to backup foods for when you don't want to think about your food intake. Um, but if you've already established this default diet for yourself, then you know it, it works for you. Uh, as you say, that would be just having certain rules such as for my breakfast, I'm going to get a, pro a serving of protein in or with whatever you like. So that could be omelette and toast or whey and oats, you know, whatever it is that you like and that's easy and convenient for you. Just have that example kind of diet day in mind so that when you do have these busy periods in your life um you don't have to think about what to eat so if you've got a really busy week at work know what it is that works for you and just stick to those foods for that period of time knowing that it's not something you have to do it's just to ensure the basics are in place without you having to think too hard if you take it back to the skeleton kind of diet approach that's more so that gives you more flexibility in the sense that you just know that you have to get as you say, servings of micronutrients and protein and carbohydrates in, not necessarily specific foods. And if you're aiming for that each day, then that is going to get you the majority of your results. And most people tend to eat similar foods on a daily basis anyway. So making sure those foods are the kind of foods that are going to be good for you um, or what you're trying to achieve. And obviously it just makes sense. And once you've thought about it once or twice, you don't need to keep constantly making these decisions day in, day out. I think removing decision fatigue, especially in those initial stages, is really helpful. You know, there, there are a lot of choices out there. And once you've got that understanding, you can be a bit more flexible. But it definitely helps to have a default diet in place, especially when, you know, stressful or busy periods are the typical times where people tend to change their eating habits. Um, you, you run out of willpower, you've made too many decisions, you don't want to think anymore. And that's when people make less favourable food choices so having those staples in place is definitely a good strategy for that um as you say just convenient options that you enjoy eating yeah i think with with like myself i have for sure have this uh, like a default diet that i've done you know especially being a personal trainer you know with my lifestyle my schedule I'll just get up in the morning. I know exactly what I'm probably going to have. You know, whether I'm going to have my like hex sausages, I'm going to have that oh, yeah. with 
have that with like some some greens, some spinach, uh, and and some ba- some bagels. If I'm obviously trying to put on a bit of muscle tissue, then I might increase my bagels to like two, three bagels. Lunchtime, I'm very much the same. It'll just be like chicken with rice, or, and then again, I'll adapt. But I've fundamentally got this skeleton, and I'll either take away or I'll add because. I, a lot of people will think that myself and you, like we track all the time, but we've not because we've developed this skill set to be able to, uh, to do what we want to do and change what we need to change. And obviously, therefore, we'll then monitor that. And a lot of people don't look at this in that way. They'll, they'll be so kind of confused with the process. So if someone is looking to lose weight, they've got this fundamental diet in place. So for instance, for breakfast, they might have a, serving, a few servings of Greek yogurt. Say someone really enjoys to eat like yogurt and they might have some strawberries with that. Perfect. That's your breakfast kind of skeleton. Lunchtime, you might have some lean protein. Again, some chicken, lots of salads. Again, there you've got your plants in. Again, that's your skeleton. An evening meal, exactly the kind of the same. You've still got this process of protein and plants and then you'll monitor, you'll adjust. Say, for instance, you do follow this for one week and then by the end of the week, say you've got on the scales and the weight's up a little bit then you can adapt again and look at your skeleton in a little bit more depth and think, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reduce my port, uh, portion sizes a little bit. Or, oh shit, I've been putting a lot of like condiments on my food to give it that flavor that I didn't really understand that they carry calories as well. I'm going to pull them out and maybe use some herbs and spices instead. And then I'm going to monitor again the week after. Oh, my weight's come down again. Perfect. Or however they want to do it. They might say, I'm going to keep my skeleton. I enjoy my diet. I'm just going to ramp up my energy expenditure and go for more walks or make more steps in the day. And therefore I'll create hopefully more of an energy deficit to lose weight. (laughs) And it's that ability to just chop and change and do different things. And I mentioned this in one of my Instagram stories the other day, funnily enough, and I think it'd be good to touch upon and see what, um, what your thoughts are on this. I said to people, say when people are sedentary at work, they're in no control over their energy out. So they can't be in control of their movement as such. You know, they've got the shackles on them. They can't get up all the time. They can't move as much as me and you say. Totally different. So I'm, I'm, I say to them, them people, let's have a big focus on your energy in. Let's have a look at your food consumption. Let's put the kind of focus into that because our energy out is somewhat kind of hindered a little bit. When it comes to the weekend, these people want to go out socially with friends and family. They 100%, they don't want to be as probably as rigid with the nutrition maybe in the week. However, what I say to them then is when it comes to the weekend, them shackles are off for your movement. So put massive emphasis into your energy out and give yourself a little bit more leeway in terms of energy in with your food because you're going to be going out socially with friends and family. You're not going to know what's in your food potentially. However, I'm not saying have a massive binge at the weekend. What I am saying is untighten your belt a little bit with the energy in and really ramp up that energy out when you've got the opportunity to do so. And that's what creates a really good kind of chameleon, like I said before, to the situations. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that there is a dynamic relationship between you know energy in and energy out, as you say, different factors affecting each thing. And knowing how to make compensations and also 
what your preferences are. So as you say, if you're confined to an office job, you have the option of going for a walk after work, but then you're trading time. And you might be happy to compromise by reducing your energy intake. So it's all about knowing the options available and making your own choices based on that knowledge because there's no right or wrong way to do it. You could, um, as you say, go for a walk after work or you could make lighter choices throughout the day. And as you say, on the weekend, when those shackles are off, you may as well take advantage of that and try and increase your activity to give yourself a bit more you know, flexibility within your food choices and understanding how to quantify that, I think is important as well. You know, not going too far either way um, is very helpful for finding that balance. And yeah, I think just understanding the relationship between the different factors is very helpful for that. I think with the informed eating, Shannon, it would be good to just kind of touch upon with it being like maintenance at the minute. And then we, we spoke about this kind of skeleton and we can look at this nutritional skeleton as a means to kind of maintaining where we are. And then we adjust if need be. So whether that's taking away food or in, increasing our food or increasing our energy out, whatever that may be. But fundamentally, and I, I said this before we jumped on the call there, is that I believe that we have a massive problem with weight maintenance and people are really good at losing weight. Like, especially at the start, you know, people will go on a diet and they'll lose weight like rapid. The amount of people that yeah, I'm sure that you can testify for this the amount of people that you speak to and they'll be like, yeah, I've lost, I've lost three stone in the past. I want to get back to being that uh, light again. And I'm like, and they're like, but now I've gained it all back again. And I'm thinking to myself, you have a real problem with weight maintenance. If you have been one of these yo-yo dieters and people that are all over chronic dieters, let's look at weight maintenance. And I think looking at this approach of informed eating or maintenance eating and creating this is so viable in terms of creating long-term success for people because people have such issues maintaining weight and I say it to clients all the time when they come to me and they say oh I've not lost any weight this week I would say for instance the week after they've not lost any weight I'm like like you've lost 60 pounds working with me you've had two weeks maintaining a new body weight this is a new body weight for you this is bloody good like why are you looking at that so negatively let's look at that as a positive and weight maintenance doesn't really get as much appreciation in my terms in my uh, opinion sorry as weight loss does it, it there's no respect there for weight maintenance and i think talking about that uh, a little bit more now would be would be great to kind of how that links to the informed eating and how weight maintenance for people is so important yeah i would totally agree weight maintenance is very rarely spoken about we hear a lot about how to lose fat or how to gain muscle but nobody really touches upon how to actually maintain what you've already achieved as you say, it's crucial because ultimately maintenance is what you're going to spend the majority of your time doing. If you lose fat correctly in the right way, you only have to do it once, you know, and then it's up to you to maintain those results. Even in terms of muscle gain, closer you get to your genetic potential, not a lot changes really. So it's pretty much just like maintaining, at least it feels that way. So I think we should be discussing this more often, especially when you're looking at the weight maintenance statistics. We know that on average, only about 20% of people who lose weight actually have success at keeping that weight off. And I think part of the problem comes down to the strategies used to lose the weight in the first place. That definitely has an influence. If you put decent practices into place, you know, acknowledging your preferences, making it sustainable, you're going to have a higher chance of maintaining your 
results, especially when you've got that understanding in place. So that's again why how this links back into informed eating is that having that understanding, how to navigate your food environment, what your own needs are, uh, a fundamental understanding of nutrition, all of that ties in. That's why it's really important to spend a period of time, whether it's free tracking or not, but just spend a period of time knowing or learning the basics. From there, you can put maintenance strategies in place. And it's just about having an idea of what your goals are and what your preferences are, what you want out of your lifestyle. Because dieting might take, well, fat loss, it may take a priority for, you know, it may be a big priority for you in that period that you're trying to lose weight. You may have to um, make choices that you'd rather not make in terms of eating out. Perhaps you don't go for the tastiest thing on the menu all of the time. You might look for a lighter option. Um, but then sometimes you do just want to know how to enjoy yourself. And I really like the point that you made about how maintenance or a week or two of maintenance isn't a bad thing. As you say, if you're lighter than you've ever been before, that's progress. And I think it's important to note that progress doesn't have to be losing weight week in, week out, right? And there are different rates of weight loss. You could be losing a lot of weight or a slower rate. It just, just depends on what it what is important to you at the time, what you've got going on. Um, so knowing that, that as long as you're not going backwards, then that's still a good thing. Yeah. It's what happens over the course of a long length of time that really matters. So it's that consistency that you need to develop. And um, yeah, viewing, reframing the way that you look at maintenance, I think is definitely really important. It's so easy to get hung up on the numbers um, without really remembering what the goal is, which is ultimately just to look and feel good, right? And be healthy. Um, that's not dictated to you by certain numbers on the scale necessarily. So knowing that you've made great progress and you're happy with where you are. Um, and if you're maintaining, there's probably a reason for it. Either you decided that you've reached your goal or maybe you've had a week of social occasions, then that's probably a positive thing. You're like you're well within your rights to decide what's important to you at any given moment um, and make decisions based off of that. Yeah, I think it goes back to people's kind of mentality of just they want it, they want to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And I do say this to a lot of people as well. It's like you are still training, say, three times a week doing resistance work with myself. You are still paying attention in terms of learning about these nutritional strategies and interventions. You're all active than you've ever been in your life. You are not getting worse. <laughs> you are literally yeah. not getting worse. And sometimes to people, you have to really like, feel like you need to bash the head against the wall and be like, you're not getting any worse. You keep up with these habits. You're going to develop what kind of myself has developed and other trainers and no longer be this person that says, Oh, David, like how can you get away with eating that? Or how like you're so lucky to be in this position. It's like, yeah, genetics plays a part. We know that. But at the end of the day, my nutritional habits and behaviors for the last God knows how many years of what keeps me where I am and I've got this structure in place and if I want to gain muscle, I'll, I'll aim for it and I'll change things. If I want to lose body fat, I'll change things. But fundamentally, I have this kind of, like we said, we've said all along, this skeleton firmly in place. What I think would be good to just touch upon now, Shannon, is when we spoke about obviously education around food and, and, and talk about energy balance and there's so many ways for people to actually create um, a calorie deficit 
It's something that spoke about a hell of a lot in, within the industry. I was just, we've covered it today. But how can we cre- create one? There's so many things. And what I like to, what I would love to discuss with you today is when you're out traveling and, and you've got these social occasions, I think a really valuable tool is to understand kind of calorie density in foods, understand the food volume. And going back to that kind of default diet, what that represents. So obviously we now the listeners know about what that default diet is, getting that skeleton in place. However, why are we doing it in the first place? So why is protein, lean protein sources, why is vegetables so important when it comes down to um, all aspects of dieting, not just from a calories perspective, but also from a hunger management perspective as well? Yeah, so I guess that's the key point. In order to reduce your energy intake, it really helps if you can manage your hunger by making satiating food choices, which is where the kind of protein and plants idea comes into play. It tends to generally be more satiating than the other macronutrients. It's also one of the lowest energy density sources of macronutrients. So for anyone listening, protein um, has four calories per gram, carbohydrates have four calories per gram, and nine... uh, fats have nine calories per gram, which makes them the most energy dense macro. And there are many things that regulate uh, our satiety. So first one being like the food choices you're making, fibrous food choices tend to be more filling. So again, that's where the plant kind of aspect comes into play, like vegetables. And we also eat with our eyes. So having larger portion sizes can help in terms of filling up your plate with a lot of vegetables. And it also, the more food you have, the slower, the longer spent length of time that you spend eating it. And that helps as well, which is part of the reason we tend not to recommend drinking your calories because eating them increases orosensory exposure time in the mouth, which just means like that texture plays a role there. Whereas you can drink, if you think about it, you can drink a glass of orange juice, probably not even realize it has calories in it, or you can sit and physically peel an orange and take your time to eat it. It's much easier to consume more calories by drinking them than it is to eat them so that's one thing as well um other things to be aware of would just be yeah being aware of those energy dense sources of food so when i say that we eat with our eyes portion sizes come into play so we tend to perceive smaller portions of things to be um less energy dense so that's not necessarily the case when you take a teaspoon or a tablespoon of olive oil that's very energy dense even though the portion is small um, or take a handful of nuts, you can compare that calorie-wise to a large serving of potatoes. Whereas if you're unaware, as many people think that potatoes, things like that need to be avoided, um, when actually it make them a very good choice if you're trying to diet, because they are pretty filling. Another strategy would be to reduce your variety of foods on offer, because there's something known as sensory-specific satiety. So we get bored of the same flavours quicker, which is why you can very easily overeat at a buffet, because there's loads of variety there. Um, You get bored of one thing, you can just eat something else. So that could be a good strategy. Also to make your food kind of less palatable. So... Don't make, I mean, this is, comes down to your personal preference. And this is why tracking might be kind of a good idea whilst you're losing weight, because you can kind of control your food intake that way. Um, but if you don't want to do that, you can make your food less tasty. You know, if you're less inclined to eat it, then that's one just potential strategy that you could put in place. 
Um, I think those are probably the key ones and also being aware of your external cues because we make decisions on what to eat and how much to eat, not just based on our physiological cues. That would be ideal if we could just listen to hunger and fullness cues, but in reality, that's not always the case. Um, so many things that can influence our decision to eat, such as habits, you know, many people may crave something sweet in the evening just out of habit or that kind of 3 p.m. slump where they reach for a snack. Um, those cues can cause you to feel inclined to eat if you're not, you know, even if you're not hungry. Um, other things would be being aware of the people that you're dining with because we tend to kind of mimic the portion sizes of what, you know, that our friends are eating. Um, atmospherics even come into play, so dimmed lighting, soft music that kind of creates a comfortable atmosphere which extends the eating consumption like episode. Um, so many things come into play. I think being aware of all these different factors and limiting your external cues where you can, you know, whether that's keeping food out of sight, um, going for smaller plates and utensils. I know the guys who work with comp preppers often get them to use chopsticks <laughs> because many <laughs> people struggle to eat with chopsticks. Oh my that God. That's a fun strategy. I Doesn't work I would literally never eat. I would literally never, ever eat because I can't use them. So I would just be falling down the grid. <laughs> I literally, it wouldn't even work for me. I can eat anything with chopsticks nowadays. So. <laughs> um, or teaspoons, you know, or just using smaller plates. That's a very easy strategy to help you feel like you're eating more food. Because um, I say a lot of the time we do eat with our eyes as well. So yeah, those, I guess, would be the main, I think that's pretty pretty you know there's a few uh, practical takeaways there for you guys to put in place yeah definitely i think that one's a big one with the the utensils you know using smaller plates even and and, and talking about the spoons that you use to kind of put your oils on so, you know to kind of um lubricant your, um, your pan for example and also even when you're watching television like when you're watching a film you know when you go to the cinema how many times have you been to the cinema with a big box of popcorn and you literally look down after five minutes and you're like shit I've eaten it all <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I think that plays a big part as well it's that kind of people are just not aware sometimes they just it's just so habitual where they'll just be watching a film and they'll be drinking they'll be drinking the liquids with coca-cola they'll be just reaching down just grabbing some biscuits out of the biscuit tin before you know it, this person's had like a thousand calories and, and then they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll wonder why they're not losing weight and they'll, they'll have that mindset of, I only had a few biscuits, I only had a few glasses of Coca-Cola and it's like, well, that's a lot of calories and secondly, you probably had half a bottle of Coca-Cola or the whole bottle. So yeah, I think, I think they're really important and I think the whole calorie density and food volume is so important and I do try and drum that to a lot of my clients especially when they are trying to learn about this informed eating so when I will say to them when it comes to the working all day and you know they'll find themselves at the desk and sometimes there's a lot of boredom that comes into play as well potentially where they feel the need to just you know somebody offers some cake in the office they'll, they'll want to have it but I looked at like why are you setting yourself up for going there because one is that you probably had a really, really kind of type of calorie dense food, but doesn't take up much food volume. So like you said, a handful of nuts, this person's just had potentially 500 calories from a big handful of nuts, but food volume wise, she 
they're not going to be filled up very much. So that cake's going to be really, really appealing to them. However, if I make that switch and say, right, maybe have some something that's a little bit more um, high food volume, that's going to take up less room in the stomach, but it's going to be for less calories and it's still going to taste good as well. So that's a win-win. And I think a lot of people get this mixed up. I think, and I said it the other day, some trainer put something on the other day where he would say his client lost weight by eating more. And I'm just like, wow, even he doesn't know about food volume and calorie density. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, right, the, and this is where the whole healthy eating comes into play, the whole clean eating and why it works. It's not, be, you will feel like eating more because you're getting more food volume, but the calorie density of them foods is significantly lower than what you're probably eating in the past. Therefore, you're creating more of a calorie deficit. That's why you've lost weight, not for the fact that you've giving you more food and it's just this confusion isn't it with it all i think a lot of people need to understand the volumetrics between it there's there's a lady called barbara rolls have you seen her work no i haven't she's really really good she's been on like sigma nutrition and things like that podcast but she's she's got a book called volumetrics where she talks in depth about all this stuff and she's a researcher in that field so about satiety and things like that so it's pretty cool and um i think that is something so important for the listeners to kind of understand as well about so many foods carry different calories and take up much more room in the digestive tract than others and therefore making you feel fuller for longer to stop you over consuming calories, which is ultimately what a lot of people's problem lies. Just before we wrap this one up, Shannon, because I think we've given the listeners a hell of a lot of information there. I think we've covered, obviously we've covered my fitness power. We've covered this informed eating. We've covered the misconceptions with intuitive eating as well. Just before we wrap this one up, what would you say that your biggest things you've learned working with clients and what are the best strategies or information and solutions that you've given them that works the best that you've found for people, especially general population like we've been talking about? Yeah, I would say that the biggest thing that I've learned is that there's a difference between knowing what to do and then actually taking the steps to implement that knowledge. Um, and also the biggest thing that people tend to trip up on is their own interpretation of progress, the meaning of fat loss and maintenance and kind of stressing too much. So as, we, as we've mentioned, the, the basics, the fundamentals are simple, which doesn't mean it's easy to actually take those steps in place, but the knowledge base that you need is fairly simple. Um, and I think having that understanding is huge, but also knowing what it is that's important to you, how, how you want to go about your fat loss. As we said, there's many ways that you can actually create a deficit. You just need to find an approach that's sustainable for you. And then knowing when to take maintenance weeks. I think that's the biggest thing that I'd like to teach people is that maintenance isn't a bad thing, right? And oftentimes people will say things like, I've got all these occasions coming up. Um, and then they stress about sticking to a deficit and tracking and all this. And you just think, this is one week out of many weeks we've been working together. You've made great progress. Why don't you just take this week as a maintenance week? You can enjoy yourself. You don't have to stress too much. Um, and then we can get straight back on it. Like once you've, you know, the week's over with and then people turn around and they're like, Oh yeah. Like I didn't realize I didn't have to be losing fat every, you know, week in week out. Like you've made great progress so far. Let's just maintain it, incorporate some of the, the lifestyle aspects back into it. 
and then keep going you know I think it's just a huge learning curve for people and I think knowing how to make it all work for each individual is vital and I think ultimately it's allowing the client you're working with to make their own choices um, based on what's important to them and I think that's again where the knowledge base comes in so they can make informed choices once you understand the options available to you and how your choices impact your goals it's up to you to make trade-offs and then I'm there just to guide you through it like you're making your own decisions you know yeah definitely it's being able to it does come back down to that being able to adapt, doesn't it? If you've got a really stressful time at work, would you really want to track calories? Probably not. But would you maybe want to... But because now you understand about portion control, like we mentioned before, when you touched upon utensils, when you touched upon your plate sizes, even watching television when you're eating, all these little things, food swaps, swapping foods that, like we said about the calorie density and the food volume, swapping foods that contain less calories for more food volume would be a really good solution. I love using them with clients as well. It's kind of being able to understand all these ways of creating this negative energy balance, like a spider diagram. So if you could imagine the word energy, negative energy balance, and you've got a spider diagram coming off, there's shitloads of things we can use. It's tracking, my fitness yeah. is one of them. Uh, energy expenditure, just taking your walks more, like doing more outside energy out stuff. It could be focusing on the portion control, food swaps. There's so many things, isn't there, that people can use. But ultimately, it's about getting clients to understand all these things what with our coaching and obviously through hopefully through my podcast today as well is that they understand these things a little bit more and then therefore they can make their own decisions on what they want to use depending on the time of the the year they want to use them like if you're on holiday use this if you're going out with your friends for the weekend use this if you're got a quiet week in work where you can track track like whatever like mm -hmm. it's, it's really good to have that ability to be able to go in and out of things and and I think that's a really good skill to learn for people and I think a lot of people listening today will have definitely hopefully understand that a little bit more and most importantly it's not a bad thing if you just need to maintain body weight it is yeah. actually a very 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 good thing to have the ability to be able to control your body weight to then be able to go right let's go again is 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 very very a really kind of a, a skill of a very successful dieter i would say yeah 100 percent. i think that's probably one of the main things is that there are a hundred strategies that you could use and the more of them that you know about the more tools you have you know up your sleeve so again just taking the time to educate yourself a little bit will give you that freedom that you're after and you know help you navigate all the different environments that you'll be in throughout your life because as you say if you can adapt then that's that's ultimately the, the end goal, to learn how to make it all work for you. I think they've definitely got that from today's episode, Shannon. Just before we go, just give the listeners a little bit about where they can find you. I know that you put out some really good information on your socials and things, and I'm sure a lot of people will, will get a lot from that. So if you want to just give yourself a plug on your where people can find you, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So the best place to find me would probably be through my Instagram, which is just Shannon Beer, B W -E R, like the drink, um, underscore. Or you can also find me over at Flex Success, which again is just at Flex Success. Um, both of those Instagram accounts are fairly active. If you like the research kind of thing, then we do run a research review at Flex Success as well. And um, you can find most of the information about all the services that we offer on the website. So it's just www.flexsuccess.com.au. We also have a Facebook page as well and a group. <laughs> so just search <laughs> Flex Success and you'll find it. <laughs> 
No, that's really good. And you guys put out just tons and tons of education for people. And like fundamentally, that is where it lies, is just giving people that. And um, I think with what you do, you definitely do that. So I'm sure we could have gone on all day, Shannon. I'm sure we'll, I hopefully like to get you on again and we can talk about more stuff in terms of the nutrition world or whatever else we can kind of sink our teeth into. But thank you ever so much for coming on to the show today. And have a lovely rest of your time in Vietnam. Thank you, I will do. Thank you for listening to the Fat Fix podcast and I hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you have not already, please make sure you subscribe and you don't miss out on any future episodes. I also can't stress enough how much it means to me to those that have left me a star rating and written review on iTunes. This will ultimately help me reach more people like you and really help them too. So please give me two minutes of your time to do this if you haven't already. Lastly, any shares and mentions on social media is also massively appreciated. I will see you very soon for the next episode. Thank you very much.